The following message by David Stanley is brought to you by Together in Christ. So today's sermon, uh, this evening's sermon is going to be on persecution of the church. I know we spoke about the persecution of the church this morning, but that's okay, because that was what uh, Pastor Tim said would be good to preach. So, <laughs> But the reality is, um, I read something recently written by a pastor, and basically what it said was, you know, when you get tired of telling somebody, telling people something over and over, and they get tired of hearing it, it's just about when it starts to sink in, all right? And so it's good. So a lot of tonight will be um, scripture that I'm reading, right? And so there'll be a, a good amount of scripture. Plus, I wasn't sure how the business, long the business meeting was going on, so I could just cut off certain passages and make it shorter, roll easy that way, too. But uh, <clears throat> so... If you'd please join me in prayer real quick. Lord God, God, I want to thank you so much for tonight, for this opportunity, for all the lessons that you've taught me, all the things that you led me to study that aren't even in this sermon. God, thank you for that. And God, I ask you to guide my words tonight so that they can glorify you, that they only be the words that you want said. But God, if I get in the way, I also desperately ask you to intercede for every person here, every person that hears this, that they only hear what you want them to hear, Lord God, and that you give them to the discernment. Thank you so much, Lord God. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, <clears throat> so like I said, we're gonna be uh, reading a lot of different verses tonight, so we'll be bouncing around a little bit, but just so you know, uh, some of the main passages, longer passages, will be in Acts so we'll be in, uh, starting in, so Acts chapter 8, also uh, Philippians chapter 1, and then Acts chapter 16 will also be in. So if you want to uh, be in those. But, <clears throat> so persecution of the church. First, as we talked about this morning, the word, God tells us that there's a promise that we will be persecuted, right? And so... We preached this morning uh, on John chapter 16, but if you go back to John 15, where Jesus is, is talking to us, he says, if the world hates you, okay, this is John 15, 18, 19. John 15, 18, 19. And if the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. Yet because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Then today in John chapter 16, the last three, or, yeah, three verses, read by pastor this morning, I'll reread. Jesus answered them, do you now believe? Indeed the hour is coming, yes, has now come that you will be scattered to each his own and will leave me alone. And yet I am not alone, because the Father is with me. These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. Then we are also promised this. We see it in written to Timothy, in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12. It says, yes, 
And all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. So we have this promise of persecution in scripture from Jesus himself and other places in scripture. And there's many other uh, places too, but for me, I like knowing it's coming. If something, if, if you can surprise me with something good if you want, but don't surprise me with something bad, right? I like to be prepared for that, right? So I appreciate the idea of, look, persecution's coming, right? It's not gonna be an easy road. And for me, that helps me, right? It prepares me. I can be more prepared. It allows me that when, if I'm not prepared, I, did, I had no excuse, right? So in that, I know that there's some people that, honestly, I believe they love to be what they would call blissfully ignorant, right? And they don't want to know things. But the reality is, <clears throat> God wants us to know. He wants us to be prepared, but he also doesn't want us to have excuses, right? It's not meant to be an excuse when you get persecuted for serving God. And <clears throat> so in Acts chapter 8, verses 1 through 4, Acts 8, 1 through 4, this is where Saul is persecuting the church, right? And this is the first real uh, persecution of this kind, right? And this is where Stephen, just in chapter 7, was martyred, okay? So this is the first martyr, right? So this is where things changed. There, were, there was definitely persecution going on in previous actors of ch- chapters of Acts, and we'll, we'll get to that. But right here is where Stephen is martyred, and... Saul, Saul of Tarsus, who becomes Paul the Apostle, is at the base of it, right? And so in chapter 8, verses 1 through 4, now Saul was consenting to his death. At that time, a great persecution arose against the church, which was at Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. And devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentation over him. As for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering every house and dragging off men and women, committing them to prison. Therefore, those who were scattered went everywhere preaching the word. So here they received persecution. And, and Stephen wasn't saying anything different than what the disciples were preaching in other spots where they were put in prison and released. But this time, they stoned him to death. And the people weren't, the interesting thing here is they were persecuted and it caused a scattering of the church. Obviously, Saul was trying to destroy the church, was trying to put it out to keep it from spreading. But he, in a sense here, God used it to spread the church, exactly what happened, right? And so, but the thing here is they weren't running from persecution necessarily, even though it seems that way, that was the, the, what drove them. But the thing is, is therefore those who were scattered went everywhere preaching the word. They went on continuing to preach the word. They carried out exactly what Jesus had said in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, when he said that you shall be my witness to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. 
They were carrying it out. And so we get to see that this persecution that we see, like we talked about this morning, is specifically a direct result of obeying God and proclaiming the gospel of Christ. They were receiving this persecution as an attack against the good news. And so Stephen being that first martyr and this being used to spread the church, there is an early Christian author named Tertullianus, right? I'm sure I'm butchering that up. And it's, it's a very long name. And if I said the other three parts of it, it would be just as bad. But uh, Apologeticus is the name of the book that he wrote, right? And this famous quote that's in there, that maybe you've heard it, but the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. And so he, this was written, he was born in... 155 AD and lived to about 240 AD. And so we're only a handful of generations separate from Christ being on earth. And he writes this, and this is something that's still taught and and looked at, which is interesting to see. But what I want to also take a moment here, and as we did this morning, but to separate that what this persecution of the church is not, Right? So like I said, this persecution is a direct result of obeying God and, and proclaiming the gospel. <clears throat> what it is not, it is not simple hardship, the pains and tribulations that come from a result of living in a broken world. It is not our own anxieties and emotions. It is not what you would have the natural disasters or diseases or what we would just call the woes of this world. Or this morning in Pastor Spencer's Sunday school class, there was a term that was used that I really liked, and this would all fit into this. This was part of our inherited corruption of the world. And it's not just simply part of that. It is also not us being disciplined. It is not us being convicted of sin in our lives. But what it is, is, as I said, a direct result of obeying God. See, these things, I don't think, should be confused here, and we need to think about separating. But yes, God does use all things for good. So he uses all these things for good to guide you and direct you. And you should absolutely be thankful for when God helps you endure and get through hardships in life. And you should also be extremely thankful when God disciplines you and corrects you and puts you back on path. These are things you should absolutely be thankful for. However, in this particular type of persecution, it's something that we're told and we find that we're supposed to have both peace and joy in. See, when you're being disciplined, it's not meant, you should be thankful for it, but it's not meant for peace and joy. But you're supposed to be able to actually find peace and joy when being persecuted as the persecution of the church here. And so, <clears throat> this also will give assurance. This peace and joy will give assurance when you're being obedient to God's holy word and the calling God has in your life. And this persecution was used to glorify God and advance the gospel of Christ. In Acts chapter 5, if we were to go back a few 
few uh, chapters, we see in verses 40 to 42 a story where the disciples were persecuted again, and it was a different situation. So there, they had just been given advice from someone that said, look, if this is from God, you can't stop it. If this is from man, then it's, it's not going to last anyhow. So why are you going to bother killing these people? Right? And so then we pick up at 40, it says, and they agreed with him. And when they had called for the apostles and beaten them, they commanded that they should not speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. So they departed from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. And daily in the temple and in every house, they did not cease teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ. So in this passage, I mean, you see the persecution that comes before that, um, but you see a different, different outcome there. But an interesting thing here, I feel like we, we sometimes stop and focus very much on the fact that they were excited. They found that joy and counted themselves worthy of being suffered. But the thing here that I like to focus on afterwards is where I think we need to remember to continue and focus is that what does it say there in 42? And daily in the temple, after they had already been warned, after he already told them it's pointless to kill them, they decided to beat them anyhow and threaten them and tell them not to preach the gospel. But they still went. And daily in the temple and in every house, they did not cease teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ. You see, persecution for the sake of Christ is not something to be sought after. It's not something to be pursued. It is a result in serving God, but it is not something that we should seek. What we should seek and pursue after is being in God's will. That is where we need to focus, to align our focus, if that makes sense there. But we are supposed to have joy in our persecutions. And the Apostle Paul, who, like I said, as what was the one that was behind the martyring of, of Stephen and a lot of the persecution that scattered the church, in the book of Philippians, chapter 1, verses 12 to 18, uh, Brother Nathaniel preached on this just uh, two Sunday evenings ago. And so, verses 12 to 18, we have the story, but I'm going to read 12 and 18 because they're the ones that, that pick up the, the points here. But I want you to know, brethren, that the things which happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel. So he's in prison writing this, and he's telling the church of Philippi, look, don't worry about me. Even though I'm in prison, don't worry about me. It's just for the furtherance of the gospel. And he tells them how there's prison guards that are being saved, and that it's for the glory of God. And then... In verse 18, it says, what then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached, and in this I rejoice. Yes, I will rejoice. He reminds them, I'm going to rejoice. See, we're going to talk about, in Acts 16, about what the Philippians saw and why they were worried and concerned about him being in prison in a little bit. But I'm going to continue with some examples in Scripture about finding joy in your suffering. So Paul also writes in Colossians 1, verse 24. Colossians 1, 24. 
says, I now rejoice in my sufferings for you and fill up in my flesh what is lacking in the afflictions of Christ for the sake of his body, which is the church. And in James chapter 1, he is writing to the 12 tribes which were scattered abroad. So he's writing to these same people that were scattered abroad in uh, chapter 8 that we read about. And he says, starting in verse 2, he says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. So we're told we're supposed to have joy. But it's still one of those things that we wonder how and why we're going to have this joy. But we do have to remember, as we heard this morning, and as we read, that Christ has already overcome the world. And so when we are attacked, when we're in spiritual battle and a persecution, we have to remember that the war is already won. And we do need to come at this with a different attitude. And we can look at Christ's words in Matthew 5, Verse 10 through 12, all right? So this is the Sermon on the Mount, and Christ tells us, starting in verse 10 of Matthew 5, blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. So they, persecute the prof- so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So we're promised joy in persecution. We're promised to be blessed, actually promised blessings. And then in 1 Peter chapter 4, 12 to 14, 1 Peter 4, 12 to 14, it says, Beloved, do not think it strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened to you. But rejoice to the extent that you partake of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory is revealed, you may also be glad with exceeding joy. If you are reproached for the name of Christ, blessed are you. For the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. On their part, he is blasphemed, but on your part, he is glorified. Then in Psalms 119, 161, 162, it says, Princes, persecute me without a cause, but my heart stands in awe of your word. I rejoice at your word as one who finds great treasure. So we can always remember that God is there for us and he's going to bless us even in these times of persecution. And one of the things that we have to also remember is we're warned not to seek revenge for being persecuted. And in Romans 12, 14, it says, Blessed, bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. So we don't want to seek revenge, but we also don't want to avoid persecution. Like I said, it's not something to be pursued after, but we don't try to avoid it. And we see 
in the parable of the sower where Jesus says that people aren't saved simply because they're avoiding the persecution. We see in Matthew 13, 21, as well as Mark 4, 17, and in Matthew it says, yet he has no root in himself, but endures only for a while. For when tribulation of persecution arises because of the word, immediately he stumbles. And this is speaking of the seed that is cast on the rocky ground. And then... Also, we see in Galatians, where we preached through Galatians not that long ago in this church, and y'all remember how there was so much false doctrine and, and uh, rebuking that, and the false doctrine of trying to add to Jesus, the whole Jesus plus nothing equals everything, Jesus plus anything equals nothing. Well, in Galatians 6.12, it says, as many as desire to make a good showing in the flesh... These would compel you to be circumcised, only that they may not suffer the persecution for the cross of Christ. Don't let avoidance of persecution prevent you from serving God. I told you we were going to get to Acts chapter 16, and we are. And so here, <clears throat> where he was, Paul was telling the church in Philippi, you know, not to worry about them because he had heard and knew that they were worried about him. And they had sent, he had sent a messenger with care package and everything to him, and he was sending Epaphras back to him. But where the formation of the church of Philippi happened was in Acts chapter 16. And so there were some, some preaching and different people saved. But then we have a situation where, as he's preaching the gospel, he is thrown in jail right there in Philippi. And so they had seen him in jail before, but this is very different. He's still in jail. What happened that time, right? So in verses 16, or chapter 16, verses 25 to 34, it says, but at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's chains were loosed. And the keeper of the prison, awakening from sleep and seeing the prison doors open, supposing the prisoners had fled, drew his sword and was about to kill himself. But Paul called with a loud voice, saying, do not harm yourself, for we are all here. Then he called for a light, ran in fell down, trembling before Paul and Cyrus. And he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? So then he, they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night, and washed their stripes. And immediately he and all his family were baptized. Now when he had brought them into the house, he set food before them, and he rejoiced, having believed in God with all his household. So here we have where the last time Paul was in prison to these people, the jail shook, the chains fell off, the doors opened, people got saved, and eventually they were released shortly after. 
But the point there was that the gospel was being preached and that there was fruit from it, right? And so the point in the story that he was saying, I'm being in prison now, but there's prison guards that are coming, that this is for advancement of the gospel is the point. Not that he should be freed, but to let them know that this suffering is for Christ. And so here we see this, this jailer. And we see Paul, who is under persecution, being thrown in prison for preaching, preaching the gospel, him, Paul and Silas, and they were singing hymns, praying and singing hymns to God. And the prisoners were listening. And this jailer, though, he didn't have the hope in Christ. And he actually, because of the pain that he was fearing from this broken world without hope, wanted to kill himself because he feared what was going to happen to him if the prisoners were lost. He did not have that hope. So he was on the brink of dying and going to hell for all eternity. But because of Paul's faithfulness throughout his persecution and continuing to focus on actually serving continuation of the gospel and fruit came of it. This prison guard, as well as his entire family, were saved and baptized that night. He saw that Paul had something he didn't. He saw that Paul and Silas had both peace and joy in their persecution. And he wanted that. How you endure your persecution and how you approach it will be a witness to the world. Maybe you've been going along and you've been struggling without the hope of Christ in your life. And maybe you've been where that jailer is and you wish you could have the hope in Christ. It's there for you just like it was there for him at all times. God is ready and open to you. Just as Paul said there, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Make him your Lord and Savior. I do encourage you to do that. If you have questions about it, please, please ask. But we must remember that we have continual hope, that this isn't just this simple promise, that we must remember that this is, that we're, we need to trust in God and his ultimate wisdom. In Job, uh, chapter 2, 9 and 10, what we see here is, it says, it's Job's wife talking first, right? And it says, then his wife said to him, do you still hold fast to your integrity? Curse God and die. But he said to her, you speak as one of the foolish women speaks. Shall we indeed accept good from God? And shall we not accept adversity? In all this, Job did not sin with his lips. So what we see here is the story of Job, as most of you know, was where 
he endured all kinds of hardships and all kinds of things that were allowed to happen to him. And he was told, why not just give up? Why are you accepting this? He had so much trust in God. See, he knew the fact that what I want you to know also, that we serve a truly just and completely righteous Lord and Savior. And we should be willing to accept not only what we consider good, but also the adversities. And that this promise comes to us where God will hold us tight for all eternity. And what we, one of the things we see, one of the places we see that in the Bible is Romans chapter 8, 35 to 39. I know many of you know this, these verses, but I'm going to read them here. It says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And then in Peter, we also have a promise. And we see this in rejoicing. Because he's speaking of our time on earth and our promise of our reward in heaven. And so that is our ultimate goal, where we will no longer suffer. It says in chapter 1, verse 6 and 7, it says, In this you greatly rejoice, Though now, for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials, that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold, that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. I find great hope in knowing that when God puts me in a position where I'm going to be persecuted. That the war's already won. That God has secured me for all eternity. And I hope you can too. But any time that your faith is shaken, you need to remember that when persecution comes, or even if it's just the simple woe is the world, that inherited corruption, that what we need to do still every time is fall back on Christ. We need to dig deeper into God's word. We need to draw closer to him who saves you. And we need to develop a stronger prayer life. Please join me in prayer. Lord God, God, I just want to thank you so much for what your word tells us. Thank you 
for the promises that you give us, Lord God. God, I do want to pray for everyone here. I pray that they are all strengthened and encouraged and that they are not afraid of persecution, that they understand that you will prepare them and that you will give them peace and joy in persecution. God, I also want to pray for anyone that's listening that may not know you, may not be able to yet trust in that peace and joy or that eternal salvation that you offer. God, I pray that you reach them. I pray that your word sinks into their heart as fertile ground. I pray, God, that their life is changed forevermore through you. God, I thank you so much just for allowing us to come and worship you today, for allowing us the privilege of praying to you. God, we love you. In Jesus' holy name, we pray. Amen. You have been listening to a message by David Stanley from Together in Christ. This content has been provided to you by Monroe Missionary Baptist Church. For more information, visit us online at mmbconline.org.